Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading the Sun Ranto Show. Just a quick word before we start about podcast ads. Did you know that every time you download the Sun Ranto Show and there are ads on the show like you just did, that I get a penny? One penny. Well, that's not enough to keep the lights on here at the Sun Ranto Podcast. So if you enjoy the show, I'm just going to ask you, could you make that penny a dollar and join us at patreon.com slash sunranto? Just a dollar. One dollar a month. That's all we ask. You can pay all at once, and then it's only like $11 because there's a discount. You get all sorts of perks. You get to join the Sun Ranto Super Ranters, where I do post games uh, oftentimes. Uh, you can get all the music. You can get a Sun Ranto calendar. Uh, you can buy us tickets and beer and uh, pay for StreamYard and for batteries and tickets and um, advertising and headphones. And plus, 10% of all the money that gets pooled together from our Patreon goes straight to the Lost Boys program where we help kids in Chicago play baseball and build our damn community. So please make that penny a dollar. And stop downloading this version of the show where I'm getting ripped off and your time's getting wasted and my time's getting wasted. It sucks. But if Patreon was cooking, I wouldn't do this. So, patreon.com slash sunranto. And do us a solid. Turn that penny into a buck. Here's the show. Kobe blue blood flowing through our veins. Sitting in the bleachers in the rain. We shed a million tears and drank as many old stuff beers out at the game. Let's go, Kobe Sorrento. With Michael. Sorrento. And Crawley. Sorrento and the lovable loser. Sorrento. With Michael. Sorrento. And Crawley. Sorrento and the lovable losers. Sun Ranto! Hey, and welcome to the Sun Ranto Ranter Roundtable. Um, so far, we got uh, me, Danny Rocket. I'm one of your hosts. And we got Crawley, uh, suffering from terrible Wisconsin allergies, uh, the one day of the year that, uh, he suffers. How, how are you besides that though? Well, we, what are we coming off of a two and five road trip? Ian Happ is dead and I'm out of club 400 beers. So other than that, I think we're doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. You'll live. You'll live. <laughs> so, uh, this is the rant around table, uh, as uh, we call it. It's something we're trying to do once a month in which we invite different people, clubs, personalities, bloggers, podcasters from all around Cub fandom to come on uh, with us and talk about some kind of general topics. Uh, and uh, we got some uh, really interesting people that are coming on, so I, th- I think we should just start. And uh, here's our first guest. You know her. You love her from Cup of Cubby Blue and uh, the Bleed Cubby Blue and now Fangraphs too, right? 
She's a very busy person. It's Sarah Sanchez. Que pasa, Sarah? Uh, you know, I'd be better if the Cubs were doing better, but I'll do the best that I can. <laughs> Does it make you feel good that you're the first person I thought of when Wilson pulled up lame the other night? Honestly, I about had a heart attack. I, I So I don't know if you saw the piece that I wrote today about the whole Javi Amir Garrett uh, ongoing situation, but my, my biggest takeaway from that was that Wilson full-on sprinted out of the dugout to play Peacemaker, and I thought that was outstanding because it clearly meant that his thigh was okay. <laughs> I, I was going to send Danny on a well-being check just to make sure you were all right. No, so, no, I'm good. Although one of our other guests here is the first person I thought of when Hap ran into Horner today. So, well, let's introduce him. That is that is an amazing segue, Sarah. You've been at this a while. Um, here is Ian Hap's number one fan, Michael Cerami from uh, Bleacher Nation, and uh, formerly my co-host on Outside the Ivy, um, on the former Sports Channel NBC Sports Network. How are you? Uh, also devastated by the Cubs and injuries to our favorite players. Um, but, uh, I'm excited to be here. This is fun. And I'm also a little annoyed that, wait, we're, there's different people every month. I thought I was going to be here every month. I want to be here over and over. Can I just be a part of the show? I'll be like the sidekick. I'll stand off screen. I, I just want to be around it. How about you host and I'll come on as a guest and we'll Deal. just switch it up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't do those, those guttural screams to, to, to begin the show. I don't know how you do that. So you might have yeah. to do that part still. I'll, I'll give you voice lessons. And then uh, here's uh, a guy that you know. He's been on the this show a bunch of times, and he's got his own podcast, and he's got his own awesome YouTube channel where he's very funny. It's uh, Joe Kilgallen. Joe. What's up, everybody? Let's, now, uh, let's cry together, huh? Yeah, yeah. this this is going to be a Cubs pity party, I think, ultimately, <laughs> this particular roundtable. So uh, how's it going with you? Uh, um, uh, how's it going? You, you can disclose. <laughs> I, I, I went to see you the other night, Joe, and, and you weren't there. It was it was sad. I went to see your comedy, but uh, you, did, you didn't show up. Um, but how are you doing? I had a how's good excuse, family? though. Yeah, you had um, a great excuse. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry, my, my family has COVID. Yeah. Um, they're all doing well, though. Um, my wife's a COVID nurse and was one of the first people vaccinated in the state. So definitely still get vaccinated, everybody. But, you know, 95% uh, success rate. It did make her symptoms super minor. So I want to let people know that it's worth being vaccinated. Just putting yeah. that out there. But uh, sorry, Danny, I'll, I'll be performing at uh, G-Man Tavern next month and I'll well, get you front row. I wanted to say just that, that I feel like the biggest idiot because I'm the guy that like did not put together that Joe's entire family has COVID and that you won't be there tonight. Like well, I, didn't, your... I didn't put that together. I'm like, oh yeah, the whole family's got COVID. But yeah, I'll see you see you tonight, Joe. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> well, yeah, Bleacher Jeff hit me up being like, dude, where were you? We came to your show. You weren't there. And I was like, I mean, I told Danny. I didn't. I figured he would have relayed the message. No, no, I'm, I, I just am a little dead sometimes. Well, I mean, we if you remember, know. the last time we were all together, we were hugging and swinging and swaying and taking pictures, and then we get like a text like two days later, like I might have COVID. I'm like. Damn well, luckily, I tested negative, and you guys would have been fine because my wife thinks she got it that day, and I saw her for the first time after seeing mm -hmm. you guys. So you're in the clear. I'm sure you guys all feel fine. It's, it's definitely the pollen with you, Crawley. It's nothing else. And uh, I, I want to introduce the last guest. I mean, COVID, 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 and our last guest, <laughs> uh, and Neil Williamson. 
Neil, d- describe on, who Carl. you are. I know you, uh, Carly, Carly, you're a friend of ours, first of all. I met you at Club Definitely. 400 with Stuart McVicker. We party with you a bunch of times. You're always around Wrigley Field. And you do a lot of, like, Facebook recaps and stuff like that, right? Stuff, um, yeah, I do Facebook. I make memes. I'm, I consider myself kind of like a triple threat, okay? <laughs> but, um, you know, first time I met you was at spring training last year before we locked, got locked down. Oh, by the way, I just want to say I'm COVID-free. God bless since we're talking about COVID. Yeah. But, uh, I just don't a think huge you can get it through uh, the rent to round table. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You yeah, heard of everybody, wear your masks. Getting COVID through the rant to round table would be quite the mutant strain. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about a computer virus. <laughs> yeah, now, there you go. Uh, Neil, you also run a Facebook site called Fly the Dub that people should yeah. go check out, yeah? Yeah, Fly the Dub. Um, had, it's been up for about three years going on three years now. Um, just run it by myself, just do all my own stuff and uh, just try to be a true fan. But sometimes when the team shits the bed, like how it's shit in the bed, you just gotta tell it how it is. So unfortunately yeah. we're not playing very well right now. And he and half finally, he and half finally does something and then he takes a dive. So hopefully he's all right. Yeah. And, uh, well, just- well, don't worry. We're going to talk all about it. And uh, before we do, I just want to remind everybody that we're listener supported podcast, patreon.com slash Sunranto is how you can sign up. It's a buck a month. There's perks at every single level. Uh, and uh, so 104 people have uh, decided that we're worthy of a uh, dollar. So come on by. And I, I can just tell too. you that with your donation, Danny sends me a check and I go and buy allergy medication. It's a great thing. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm miserable otherwise. Yeah, well, part of it goes to that. The other goes to tickets and beer. But um, so uh, let's let's start with our our first topic here. Um, and you just brought up uh, Neil Ian Hap, but I'm going to have to ask Michael Saran because he is th- the world's greatest Ian Hap fan. He do you have the fat head with you? Because I know you actually own a giant Ian Hap head that yeah, you that um, you bring around with you just like to like uh, you know I, thought it, uh, I was actually looking communions I and in, i thought well, i might be able to reach yeah. it uh but it's not in this room okay. it's somewhere in my house for sure um, um well, the sun ranto show is brought to you by take line sports culture takes take line has it all Take Line is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy winner Jason Concepcion and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. That's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about the games, players, controversies, and issues that run both on and off the court. Follow now to hear Take Line every Tuesday, wherever you get your pods. The Sun Ranto Show is also brought to you by the Locker Room app. If you don't have the Locker Room app, uh, please do yourself a favor. If you have an iPhone, because it's only on the iOS store, go to the App Store and download it right now. Because every single Tuesday night, Michael, myself, and Crawley... We'll be doing a show there at 6 p.m. Central, um, if you follow, at Sunranto, about a different topic about Cubs baseball. We've already talked about Cubs players that uh, we didn't really like in the past. We also talked about uh, our most memorable days at Wrigley. And here's the most exciting thing. You can participate. So it's a real-time audio platform, um, and you can come and join us and have a discussion with us and take the stage yourself. It's a lot of fun. And uh, so download it, Locker Room, 
on the iOS App Store. Follow at Sunranto Show and uh, join us every Tuesday at 6. It is that simple. And we thank them for sponsoring the Sunranto Show along with Take Line, the new basketball podcast. Back to the show. Yeah, well, uh, so he, I kind of just titled this "What's Happening with Hap," and and I titled that unfortunately before today happened, which uh, what happened today was he had his first multi-hit game. He tied the game with a dramatic home run in, in run the late shot. innings. Yeah, a three-run shot, incredible, uh, and then. Nico Horner absolutely destroyed him in the outfield. They'd be carted off the field. So, like, but when I did chose this, when we were talking about uh, what we we're going to talk about tonight, I wanted to talk about how Ian Happ was really struggling at the mm-hmm. plate, and now this doesn't help matters at all at this point. But um, so, Michael, I saw a tweet of yours. You said Happ should just continue doing what he's doing. He's hitting the ball hard. He's hitting into some bad luck. Um, do you still still feel that way after a couple more weeks at, since you tweeted that? And, and like, where are you at? Uh, but, and take away what happened today. Let's sure. talk about up until this point. And then, um, all right, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so uh, I'm glad that you pointed out that that was a couple weeks ago. I think it was like a week and a half ago. And uh, Hap's season has been like um, frustrating for me to follow in a very specific way. Um, and it happens to guys sometimes where bad luck precedes bad performance because he has certainly been performing worse since I've tweeted that, uh, made that tweet. And the point there is there was a lot of bad luck because he was making a lot of hard contact. He wasn't striking out as much as the, the rest of the team. He was walking a ton. He was uh, hitting the ball in the air. He was hitting the ball the other way. Like all of these things that add up to what was effectively the same expected production at, at through at any other point in his career, which has always been really above average. Um, and then he sort of leaned into it. I think because he wasn't getting the results, he stopped swinging and sure. It's cool to have a 19.8% walk rate, but not when you're hitting 150. It, it's, it's not as cool. Then you need to start swinging the bat more. And I think that sort of those issues just sort of compounded on themselves. And so again, what happened, it was, it was bad luck leading to bad results and then bad performance leading to bad results. And so the whole season has looked bad, but only half of it has actually been concerning to me. And we're, you know, 60, 75 plate appearances in. So I still think there's reason for optimism. There's a reason he was the best hitter on the team last year. There's a reason he's always been an above average hitter. Um, And as many of the Cubs problems that we attribute to like the exact type of hitter Ian Happ is when he's at his worst, um, I still think that that's not the ideal hitter for uh, modern Major League Baseball. But at the same time, you do still want guys like that on the team because the point is diversification. We need to get more Nico Horner types, let's say, but you still need to have the Ian Happ high power, high walk, you know, Anthony Rizzo mold type because that's what he is when he's at his best. And that still has a ton of value. So there's been a lot of bad stuff. I still think there's a lot of reason for good stuff. And I, I still see his role on this team going forward. Sarah, I got a question for you, Sarah. Like, you know, Michael was talking a little bit about, say, bad luck and stuff like that, but how much do you think it gets into a guy's head? He was leading off, and we know that's kind of been a bugaboo position since Dexter Fowler left, and then all of a sudden he starts to see his name dropping. I think, what, did he hit seventh or eighth the other night? Eighth. We did eighth. hit eighth. Um, eighth. I actually, I agree with 
almost everything that Michael said. I, I want to add one thing to it. I, Ian Happ is hitting the ball tremendously hard, and he's hitting the ball straight into the ground. His launch angle has collapsed this season. And so those hard hits are not translating mm -hmm. to home runs and line drives. They're translating to double plays because he's just hitting the ball really hard right at an infielder who's then turning two on that, right? And so I think that in addition to swinging the bat, which I would love to see have two more of, uh, I think that he needs to tweak his swing a tiny bit to get those mechanics back to where they were when his launch angle was, and he's never been like a huge launch angle guy. He's no. not like a Daniel Murphy type, but he needs to get his launch angle back to like nine eleven ish, not like four. I just looked at it and admittedly small sample sizes. So this like change, this fluctuates off every single at like hit that he has, but it's less than one right now. It's 0 0.5 according to StatCast at the moment. Mm -hmm, and bad. his launch angle has been straight into the dirt the entire time. <laughs> and with that, Crawley, I kind of forgot your question. Oh, how much does it get into a guy's head? I, I guess it does a little bit. I imagine some of that gets, um, gets mitigated by the fact that they have such a good relationship with David Ross. I think that it's pretty clear that Ross has a great handle on this clubhouse, on his individual relationships with guys. Uh, even as they're struggling, you can you can see how they all sort of stick together, right? Like that's that's the one thing I don't worry about with this club. I start to I'll start to worry about that a little bit as people start um, getting traded. Really, I think that will be the test of like how some of these people how that how that managerial relationship stands up when the core gets blown apart, which I think is just a matter of time at this point. But as far as Hap goes, the thing that I'm most interested in is him getting that launch angle back up. So he's not hitting ground balls. Like, yeah, it's, I noticed that today is ground ball rates more than ever. And you know, he's batting 167, yeah. uh, 307 OBP, which that's all the walks that we're talking about. Laces over to 300. Oh my God. But uh, the BABIP is still only 217 I saw today. So it's not like a, a totally bad luck situation. I do agree with Crawley in that it, I feel like the leadoff hitter thing is uh, put him on. But, uh, Joe, you're a podcaster. Do you think the podcast is getting in his head a little bit? You know, just like, hey, you know, he's out there thinking about compound topics or something. Like, I'm not sure what's going on with that. But like, you know, just wondering about like how we can get uh, you know, the Parse rum chant going in the <laughs> in the in the bleachers. I mean, I mean um, does he seem so distracted to you? You know, I just think he's been pressing. I, I saw Michael's tweet uh, about what ten days ago or so, and I agreed with him that he's just a little, just a little, so close. And then he did look a lot worse uh, the next ten days. I think Rossi did a great job benching him for a couple days because what became clear to me was he was hitting into some bad luck and then his swing looked like it got a little longer. So maybe that's what Sarah, I think that's what you're talking about, Sarah, where the it kind of kills his launch angle a little bit because he's, he's, when he came up, he had kind of a long swing. He cut it down the last two seasons after coming back from Iowa in 2019 and looked way sharper. So I'm thinking he's pressing a little bit because when you struggle like that and your team's doing well, it, I don't think he presses much, but when the whole team is struggling, that's the one thing the Cubs have. They have all these guys that are first round picks and have first round pick mindset. So when people are starting to struggle, they all think they could be the hero. And I really, you see that a lot where sometimes I look at the lineup when they got Matt Duffy and Marisnik in it. I'm like, those guys kind of know the role. They're not going up there trying to hit a three run homer to break out of a big slump. They're kind of like going with the pitch and doing this and that. And Nico just naturally has that built into his system, even though he is a first-round pick. So I don't know. I don't know if the podcast is bothering him. It didn't seem to bother him last year. Uh, but then again, he was stuck in a hotel room all of last year. 
Now he's got a little bit more freedom. I don't know if he's drinking too much coffee. He's too wired. Hmm. Who knows? But uh, I think today, you won for four yesterday, some better plate appearances, three hits today, and then the injury. So hopefully it's not too long. Yeah. Um, Michael, do you want to add something to that? Yeah, um, I think just the last the last thing uh, that always makes me focus so much on Hap, besides that I like him as a player and, and a person and all that, um, the reason I focus in on him so much is kind of not unlike Wilson Contreras, I'm hoping. Uh, if the Cubs sort of want this rebuild, retooling, whatever they're doing um, to be more immediately successful, a lot of that's going to depend on Ian Hap individually being good. Because it's a entirely it's a it's a huge difference when that guy's under control for two more years. If you know you have a switch hitting guy who could play center field and he'll get on base above average and just be an overall positive contributor. If you have one whole position you don't have to worry about, um, whether he's a star or just a just a role player that's like still valuable, um, that's gonna make twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three when he's under contract a lot easier. And I don't think any of us want to go through this type of season two more times, right? So we need Hap to be good because he, he is still part of the future. He came up so he came up so much longer after everybody else wasn't on the World Series team that we sort of lump him in with everyone else, but he's still under control through 2023. So you got we got to hope that he's good. You know what I mean? It's 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 disproportionately important to their immediate future. Neil, do you see them kind of being able to build around a dude like Hap, you know, and, and just kind of put him, you know, all the other contracts are ex- expiring well, now. Is I mean, is this like the, the Contreras Hap? I mean, I don't know. Contreras only got one more year, but is it the Hap team? I should say, is it Hap's, is it Hap's uh, team I, right now? I mean, to tell you the truth, we've been going with this since, what, 17 with Ian Hap? And last year, I believe, was a small sample size, 60 games. I mean, I mean, if it walks like a talk, it talks like a duck. It's a duck. So I mean, I mean, I like the guy. I met him a couple times, talked to him. He's a great guy, but I believe that he should just focus being a left-handed hitter and just don't worry about the right side right now. It, I if, kind of, if, a, if a duck's a duck and <laughs> he's a duck, then he's an above-average hitting duck. I feel like okay. this is like I Switch take crazy pills. But his 167 average ain't showing nothing, is it? Yeah, wait, right now? But you just said 60 game sample last year. It's been 24 games this year. That's yeah, less yeah. Than yeah. Well, I'm just saying compared to last year. I'm just saying he had a, a decent, he was the best hitter on the Cubs last year, correct? Well, yeah. yes, yeah. he was, and yeah, he was the was best small... hitter on the Cubs in September of 2019 too. So right. if we're gonna go, if we're gonna After talk about small that's but like, I mean, like my... let's not like let's not get into like whether the thirty games in September here or the fifty games here or whatever. Like the point that I think Michael makes a lot that I think we need to always remember with Ian Happ is that we have a very limited amount of data on Happ. He is a really young player. He's still twenty six years old, and there's a lot there that you can build off of and build around. Like I, I am not ready to throw the towel in on Happ mm-hmm. or a lot of these guys for that matter. But I'm sure we'll get into that later. Um, the, the switch hitting thing and whether he should reconsider that is interesting. I don't know how much anybody here watches the Orioles, but that's pretty much what Cedric Mullins just did, and he's absolutely raking right now. So there is a thing where, you, as a switch hitter, you can you can have such a weak side that it's yeah. really pulling you down. I don't think Hap's at that point, but it is something to keep an eye on for the future. 
I mean, uh, and and also you want that diversity up at the top of your lineup too. So I think that his mindset is like, I got to get on base. No matter what I do, I got to get on base. And even though, like you said before, he wasn't one of those like quintessential launch angle dudes forever. Um, he's not also a quintessential slap hitter. So if he's trying to do something different, you know, and be mm-hmm. Nico Horner, that's not necessarily it either. Um, yeah, it's weird. I, it, you know, Fire the hitting coach, I guess, right? And I like <laughs> the guy. I mean, I like Ian Hill. No, Don't get me wrong. It's just yeah. the performance I mean, just isn't there right now. Yeah. No, it absolutely isn't. And he and again, I think so much of it is I think he's confusing patience with productivity. And it's like it doesn't it's it's so it's great that you could still find ways to get on base. Throughout the whole season he was struggling. I think it, it might he might only be one game off now. Every game he started, he got on base at least one time. And it's like, but you know, swing twice more in every single at bat and your OBP would be less maybe, but you'd be an overall more productive hitter. So I agree that there's like definitely problems right now. And, and I think, yeah, and um, I think you've got to produce, you can't just keep not yeah. doing it. The other because thing I Michael take- made a good point too, with, with Ian Happ also, when the whole team struggles, you're going to try to do just a little bit more, you know, to produce. And that could mm-hmm. also be like a piano on your back. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you know, along those lines, one of the things that I want to keep, an eye on here, particularly with Hap, because I think this is like Hap's weakness. And Michael, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but one of the things Hap has really struggled with is high... Oh, I was I was going to say high <laughs> fastballs. Um, but yes, according to his podcast, I, I presume. Um, but no, no I just like, made that. I high fastballs is sort of like where Hap has had some trouble catching up to that pitch and where he's been a little bit exposed by major league hitting. And it's, it's worth noting, I don't know how many people checked out the Jesse Rogers piece that came out probably about a week ago, 10 days ago now. But this entire team has team. a problem with that. Like the, the team is having a yeah. problem with fastballs that are up in the zone and, and pretty much the only hitter that has been able to get out of that funk um, in the core. Now I'm not talking about Duffy and Marisnik for a second. Like in the core is Anthony Rizzo, which means that you've got an entire team of mashers that all have the same blind spot. And until they figure out how to fix that, this team is going to be very easy to game plan for and, they're exposed. Because, They're exposed. Yeah. They can't hit a fastball. It's that simple. That, that, that was, that <laughs> was, they can't hit a high fastball. That's what the discussion was when Jed Hoyer introduced, when they were talking about the signing of Jack Peterson, who's been oh. injured. That was the whole thing is that, mm-hmm. is that, is that Jed said specifically, he even brought it up. We're having trouble hitting the high fastball. And that's something that Jock does well. And that was something he was supposed to add to the team. And unfortunately, I've seen this before. Sometimes free agents just get off to bad starts in Chicago, and I can't – I don't think there's any kind of <laughs> metric that degrees. can explain it. Like, why the hell sometimes these guys just get off to bad starts in Chicago? I've seen it plenty of times. Sometimes they never get off the schneid. Other times they – you know, they, it takes them a few months to get around. But it's going to be an interesting issue or dilemma when Jock Peterson – I think he was with them in, in Cincinnati. What are we doing when he comes back? Well, and the hard part is that all three of the Cubs outfielders that could stand to be platooned are the three starting outfielders, and they're all lefties or better from the left side. It's like, <laughs> what do you do? They all have to have the same thing. It doesn't. Yeah, so. it, it, yeah. It seems like kind of a. I mean, we. I think we all knew that it was a strangely constructed roster with some question marks when the season even began, and and I think we might be left with more questions than answers um, in even a couple months. You know. Um, so let's move on to the next uh, question. It's a little bit uh, broader. We even talk about more people than just one guy. Poor Ian Happ. I mean, first of all, I want to say 
Godspeed, Ian Happ. That really sucked today. I, yes. Man, we, we need you come back strong, uh, especially uh, I'll miss you on the podcast if you can't record this week. Um, so uh, the, here's a question that uh, Crawley and I were texting about the other night. Thought it would be a good topic, topic for tonight. Is our bull penis bad or is it just tired? Because uh, I'll give you a few stats. Um, 129 innings pitched so far by our starters. And that's the eighth fewest inning pitched by starters. So not terrible for the cup. I mean, just definitely bottom of the league, but not good. Uh, Dodgers, by the way, coming into town, uh, have 172 innings pitched by their starting pitchers. And that's like five extra games that have been pitched by our bullpen than the Dodgers who are coming into town. We saw Cubs use everybody today, um, uh, last two days. And then um, we also have 110 innings pitched by relievers. That's the fourth most in the majors. Uh, a, uh, but it hasn't been terrible. Uh, 366 ERA, which is average, about league average. Uh, but a 138 whip because our bullpen, le- a lot of traffic. Our bullpen leads the majors in walks. And by the way, just to give you some perspective on that, the Mets are the best in this category for their bullpen. Now, their their bullpen has taken has pitched half the innings of the Cubs, and uh, the Cubs have triple the walks. Those the Mets half the innings for the Mets, and the Cubs have triple the walks. So it's like there's just a huge discrepancy. So the question is. Is our bull penis bad or just tired? Um, why don't we start with you, Neil, because we got to you last uh, last. All right. Time. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, when you're running through bullpen pitchers in April, you're sending them out, bringing them up, sending them out, bringing them up. It's April, and you're going through all these guys already. It's like a merry-go-round. You don't know who's pitching, and we can't find the plate. I mean, if they're going to hit the ball, let them hit the ball, but walks is unexcusable. I mean, just giving games away. And then, I mean – it's either we can hit and we can't pitch, we can pitch, we can't hit. It's just one or the other. But the bullpen, I think it, it's a, just a little bit of both. You know, I think they're tired, they're overused. I mean, exposed. Exposed. I'll, I'll put up the, the stats here. Uh, so far, Alec Mills, obviously, your long man's taken the most uh, innings at 15. Uh, a six ERA to show for it. They're really using the hell out of Chafe and showcasing him for a lefty trade sometime in the middle of the year. And uh, Dylan Maple, surprisingly, has taken uh, a lot of innings, uh, but it and it's gone well now. And Kimbrel's been just lights out this whole time, um, except for a little bit of traffic. So at the top of end of it, it's pretty good. But then you've got like kind of a mix of dudes that are all. I think hit and miss. So, uh, uh, Sarah, is pitch lab working on these guys? Like, what do you think? Is this like some of these um, <laughs> these kind of pitch lab specials uh, that you're trying for the lottery ticket on? I mean, are you impressed by anybody? Any names? I mean, I'm impressed by actually the Cubs' homegrown pitchers at the moment. I just in- what do you think? I think we we lost. Uh, we lost our audio. Okay, uh, well, Michael, yeah. uh, before she gets in there, I want to ask you, why is it that everybody in the whole goddamn world saw that Brandon Workman was absolutely shit <laughs> and he makes the roster somehow? Because I was out in Arizona this year and I'm like, this guy sucks. It's, and then all of a sudden I... he's on the team when Justin Steele gets sent down or some of mm-hmm. these other guys and I'm just scratching my head. And, 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 and is it a good sign or a bad sign that they DFA'd his ass so quickly? 
Uh, I think it's so. First of all, I I agree, um, but I also think that that's kind of uh, what the entire goal of this first month was going to be—the up and down of guys, the the in and out of guys. Um, it's all to see which pitcher that can suddenly throw ninety nine can be in the bullpen in the future uh, for the younger guys, the homegrown guys, the guys with more control. And then for literally everybody else, it's, you know, especially Kimbrell and Chafin, like Danny said, we're going to trade you. I mean, you're going to get traded. So pitch really well. And then here's a closer that you could rent. And he has an option. Here's a lefty who's not only a left-handed pitcher, um, but also a late inning reliever. He's kind of both. And, and that's going to be uniquely valuable and so if they can turn Trevor McGill or Justin Steele or anybody who, you know, whatever into one more of those guys to perform this year or to be traded this year or to perform next year, then cycle them all in and out and give everybody a chance, including Brandon Workman, because they're relievers. He, he might be good for the six weeks before the deadline and we get a prospect for him then. So it's annoying, but it's like exactly what they should be doing. Sarah, are you back? I think so. Can you Yay. hear me? Yes. Yeah. So what, what names? You're just about to give us a few names that you like, and, and then yeah. you cut out, which is not surprising because like that's a loaded question when it comes to this bullpen. Yeah, no. Um, I was actually about to mention some of the names Michael just mentioned. Justin Steele, uh, Trevor McGill, and Dylan Maples, in my opinion, have all been pretty fantastic in their limited outings. And, and Maples in particular, like I have, a, I have a little bit of a thing for. Like Maples' stuff is so filthy. He has led the league in spin rate on that fastball and curveball multiple times. Like the few times he's gotten enough major league like appearances to even be qualified. He is the guy who has the filthiest pitches there out of all of baseball. And he's never been able to harness it because he doesn't have the control. So his walk rate has always been through the roof. And we just don't get to see what that plays at. I think of what you wind up with in 2021 for the Cubs. And, and I hate to say this is like peak 2021, but I think that it's, we're going to see some oh, trades no. happen. So like it's, it's oh, going to happen is that the Cubs are in situations where they can let Maples figure out that control piece. And he comes back next year as a guy with a 15.5 K per nine and not walking the land. That's a huge win. Uh, mm-hmm. Similar with steel, Similar with McGill, I was sitting on my couch like, wait, this guy throws 98? Like, where did 98 from McGill come from? I don't know. So the, so the pitch lab is working, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm actually way more excited about some of those homegrown arms than I am about a Brandon Workman type who's just kind of like, we, we want to see what you can do so that we can trade you. I don't think anybody's excited about Brandon, Brandon Workman at all. Like it, it, Brandon Workman's probably the least excited about what's going on with Brandon Workman. Uh, but just part think- of the problem, his name is it just, does it kind of make it you feel work, like he's man. just a middle, he's a, he's like a middle <laughs> reliever. You're just a workman. You know what I mean? And that's all I, if his last name was like, the finisher. I'd be like, this guy's <laughs> going to be great. He needs rebranding. Yes, exactly. So, Joe, what? any other names that haven't been mentioned? I mean, obviously, you know, that Shelby Miller was a disappointment this year. Uh, you know, that, that some of these lottery tickets that they took, uh, Jason Adam, we've seen out there. I don't know. Tapera is an interesting dude that I think a lot of people like. I, I just don't know what I'm looking at. Like, is there anybody that impresses you by looking at him? Well, I mean, there's some guys who've got some nasty pitches. Uh, Dylan Maples has been a bright spot, of course. And and just the pitch lab as a whole, I'm still very confident in. I mean, look at Adbert. He learned a slider in September of last year, and it's one of the nastiest pitches in baseball right now. I mean, I'm super high on him. He made Freeman and Acuna and some really, really good hitters 
look awful. So that's something to be excited about in regards to the pitch lab. In regards to the bullpen, I mean, it's just, it feels like the guys who are going good, they have their one bad outing at the worst possible time. Because, you know, everyone's <laughs> going to have a bad outing. Like Chafin has been great except one time. Um, Rex Brothers has had two pretty bad outings, but like five decent ones in between that. Mm-hmm. Jason Adam was a guy I was high on last year. I really liked the way he looked at the last two months of last season. And uh, my face froze at the worst possible spot right there. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some interesting arms and all that. I'm connected into Ethernet. Why does it look so shitty? Anyhow, uh, it's the bullpen. It's talking about the bullpen that's freezing my face yeah, exactly. in such a scrunched up way. Well, I can tell you, uh, Joe, I went with uh, Michael's um, – uh, I went with Brian uh, Smith from Bleacher Nation, uh, Cubs prospects. We went out Wednesday to Schaumburg to check out the alt site Cubs. And uh, we saw Fernando, which was exciting, throwing some heat. Uh, but Jason Adam was out there, and, and he was doing bad against the alternative White Sox, like not even a major league roster. We were looking at it. His stuff just did not look good, and we're scratching our head like, what, what is going on? Maybe it's mental. I'm not really sure what's going on with him right now. And Tapera, I, w- I had higher hopes for, and he still looks very pedestrian to me. Um, I just would like, and a, a lot of it's because the starting rotation isn't going deep enough. So there goes the tired angle that you talked about, Danny, where you're not really seeing a set seventh inning guy, a set eighth inning guy. We know it's Kimbrell at the end, and Chafin's been in some higher leverage stuff. But other than that, it seems to be this merry-go-round that I think uh, someone else mentioned. I can't remember who now. Uh, but it's... It, it's just, I think like Michael's saying, they're just trying to figure out who's good for next year. Brandon Workman, what he cost $800,000. So it's like, fine, give him a spin two years ago or in 2018, he was pretty damn good. So mate, I think it was a lot of dice rolls because uh, they did a good job with the bullpen last year, the bullpen and the starting pitching. Well, I guess it was just basically you and Kyle last year in the starting rotation, but that's what got them the division title. It wasn't the hitting, of course. Yeah, and the 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 thing that I wonder about, I mean, if you're in the exhaustion level of it, if you're in April having to use these guys starting in the fourth inning and you're piecing it together the rest of the game this whole time, like all it takes is one of your dudes is due for a bad outing in your bullpen. You got like what eight, nine, ten relievers, whatever. I give it time, all rolling in and, and out of the uh, out of the, uh, the out of the bullpen, and um, you know a lot in. Within those six, if you got to use six guys, one of those guys is not going to have a good day. That is way too much of a chance. Like, if you're looking at, you know, using three guys, four guys to try to finish off that game, that's a totally different situation. We haven't seen the depth in the starters. And I don't really want to get into the starters right now, but I do wonder if that's kind of something people predicted is that. Uh, because of a shortened season last year that some of these guys might have a little bit of trouble. They're not stretched out in the right possible way. And you know, everything that went on, I don't know. It's some people were worried about injury. I think overall, Um, I I think another thing you said, Joe, and I'd like to maybe expand on that pedestrian you said, and that's what it's been looking at. Like to me, you know, you look at some of these teams who seem to develop guy after guy after guy tossing up their 98 and we're going up there with starters there throwing 89 and then your relievers come out throwing 92, 93. And it, it looks like I'm watching baseball in 1989. And, and like, you know what I mean? Like this is just a kind of a different thing. Is this a zig? Well, we zag situation. We're like, no, we're going finesse pitching. We're going spin rate. We're going like, do, because we have a lot of walks. So, and we've always had a lot of walks. So it seems like it's almost 
something that uh, is a philosophy of the bullpen. Do not give in. You don't need the the speed if you can do the finesse. I, I mean, do you think that is a system-wide kind of philosophy that we're going to go finesse over power? Not really because – I don't know. It's my turn to talk. But um, <laughs> I think they're a year behind on some of the things they've been doing. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe they had too much fun 2017 partying it up. But it seems like – Ever since then, they've, they're just a little bit behind because as Crawley was saying, there's a lot of guys lighting up the radar gun in the minor league level right now. A lot of guys, you know, throwing high nineties in the hundreds that we're excited about. And then even on the offensive side, contact rate has been such an issue. Look at the 2018 draft. Nico round one, Brennan Davis round two, two guys who are super high contact. So it seems like they're, they're understanding there's been a shift, but they've just been a little late to the party. And when you don't spend the last three off seasons in a row, you're going to look even more pedestrian word of the day everyone and it's it's catching up to him and they're making him look real dumb in the process yeah you know sarah you mentioned dylan maples and 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 little yumper who's a, a longtime listener here mentions the frustration here with cubs had a good developed right relief pitcher in uh, Dwayne underwood who's doing good great things for the pittsburgh pirates and we just caught him and i guess there's like for me i'm just looking at i remember hearing the same thing about chatwood tyler chatwood the guy's got amazing stuff. The spin rate's this and this and this. But every time he came out there, he shit the bed. And I'm sitting here going like, that's great that he has all these spins and, and rotations and all this stuff. But when it counts, they're probably, I see what they're doing with Maples. And I see some of the swings and people are taking. But to me, it seems like they use him when the game's kind of out of hand and it doesn't really matter. But when I saw him in high leverage situations... It's kind of like, well, he, he hit a guy, there was a wild pitch, then he struck two guys out, then he walked a guy, and then he got a pop-up. And it's just like, I don't know how sustainable that is. And, that, and then, like I said, to let go of somebody like Underwood, it's a little bit frustrating. Well, I mean, I we gave Underwood a chance. I mean, Underwood continued to underperform time after time after time. But, you know, sometimes it just takes some new scenery, you know, and you perform, which – he shut us down when Pittsburgh, when we just faced him, shut us down real quick. He'll have five ERA at the end of the year. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I think I think we did give him a chance. I think that's exactly right. And I think he will have a five ERA at the end of the year. I mean, you know, like he might be good, but like Dylan Maples might be good. Like you can only – so it, I'm so with you on this because – and I've been struggling with this lately because – there's all of this stuff that we've been trained to appreciate and understand. And then when it doesn't work out, we're like, well, that's bullshit. The only thing it is, is going out in there and performing. And it's like, yeah, there's actually, there is something to that, but also you can only be as good as your process is. And that doesn't mean we have to stick to the process and not change anything. The Cubs offense has proven that that's not true. You, that was, it turns out to have been the wrong process, but when you have a guy like Dylan Maples, and you're losing games to the Pittsburgh Pirates, you just keep throwing them and see what happens. I mean, I don't even know what – like, I'm not trying to say the season's over because we are one good hot streak away from being like, oh, yeah, I forgot that five guys on this team have been all-stars. Three are MVP candidates or former winners. Like, there is talent there. But in the absence of the unexpected, which is that insane hot streak – um, you got to find everyone that is individually has the highest chance, uh, highest uh, ceiling, ceiling possibility right now, okay. and see for sure if there's anything. Kind of like David Bodie. It's like I, yeah, I wanted to see what he was going to do 
when he had a, a chance because if he can be a third baseman or a corner outfielder or second baseman next year and beyond, this is the only opportunity we have had since 2015 to find anything like that out on the fly in the big league level. And other teams, it happens for them all the time. And we just don't realize because we're not watching until it's the playoffs or paying close attention. And you're like, who's this guy? What? They got this guy for six more years? On the, you know, well, because <laughs> they were bad, gave him yeah. a chance. He ended up being Justin Turner or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's got to find out. Sarah, exactly. did, 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 Sarah, I would uh, jump jump in and get the final word on uh, this uh, this bullpen situation. Look, I mean, I think the thing that we always forget about bullpens is that bullpens are, by definition, pitchers who have kind of struggled through a lot of different <laughs> situations. I, the failed starter shirts that like Chafin is wearing <laughs> are are not a joke. Like that's that's actually how you wind up in the bullpen, right? Which means that you're always trying to find some diamond in the rough, some person who's going to have like a year-long streak where they're just unhittable for just enough innings. The Chatwood situation is a little different to me than the Maples one. I think that Maples has an underlying lack of control and Chatwood was dealing with a lot of energies and frankly, it kind of seemed yipsy to me almost that like he could not, he could, for, for at least those first couple of seasons, he, he like just could not throw a strike when it mattered. And that was real problematic. But so Maples, I, I think that the Cubs have, potential there that if they can harness it that dude is a future setup closer type person he's not a person who's gonna he's not gonna middle through the bullpen in the in low leverage situations he's gonna get a lot of guys out when it matters and frankly if the cubs are in a situation where they're not going to be super competitive this year i want them to develop the guy who can get guys out when it matters in 2022 the sun ranto show is brought to you by bet online This week has tons of sports action as the MLB, NBA, and NHL are in full swing. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. The Sun Ranto Show is also brought to you by Kansas City Stakes. You work hard and you play hard, so treat yourself and stock up for the summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. SD, those are letters, SD. From classic cut steaks to USDA Prime to American-style Kobe, hard-to-find specialty cuts and more, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it so easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash frozen and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with your family while enjoying steakhouse quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City Strips juicy steak burgers, all beef jumbo hot dogs, and even complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD. 
D at checkout. That's KansasCitySteaks.com, code SD, KansasCitySteaks.com, code SD. 10% off, free shipping. Back to the show. I think yeah. that's what's hard for a lot of us as, as fans because I remember, I remember if you guys remember, you, I'm older, a little bit older than some of you guys, I guess, but in 2006, same kind of thing where they all of a sudden, they, they, I remember Carlos Barmol started out as a starter, Juan Mateo, a bunch of guys that they just threw out there and said, let's see what we got here, like you said, on the fly. And then later on, Marmol became a all-star, you know, reliever. And so I guess that's the frustrating thing is it's like we're trying all these guys, but for a lot of people, it's like, this is the last stand. This is the last dance. We've talked about it. I was hoping we're going to go with everything we got, the best that we got, and push it all in. I wasn't thinking we were going to be doing tryouts and uh, and seeing how this works. I thought maybe more it was just going to be we we these guys, this this core of uh, – we have a lot of guys, obviously, on one-year deals, one and done. I mean, it almost feels like if, we're, if that's what we're doing, are we are we kind of saying that maybe this is – I know we said one hot streak, but I don't know. Well, I, I think mean, still chasing you, for trades, I think, is yeah. is what it feels more like, unfortunately, especially with the disappointing April that, uh, you know, I think we I can all agree that was pretty damn disappointing. Disappointment's <laughs> an understatement. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know what? Forward. Yeah, it was. <laughs> here's here's my, my take on that, though. It's like, had they just beaten the Pirates more – um, but then swept the mats and then the they, I know. And then they say they yeah, still dropped all of those Brewers series, but just did it in the rubber match. I would have been like, uh, well, actually that wasn't terrible. Like there was some, but they didn't beat the pirates. So like yeah. too bad. You gotta, you gotta do it. You have to beat them. If you can't, what are, what are we, what are we hoping that's yeah. going to happen? You know, oh, maybe the Dodgers will continue sucking until we can play them. That's not a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd love to move us on to the next topic um, because this is kind of more about our future. And to start the year, the unanimous, quote unquote, uh, decision to start at second base was David Bodie. And it kind of surprised everybody. I think that we all thought that Nico Horner, who had had a good spring and, you know, like we've been talking about on and off tonight, the diversity that he brings to the lineup of not being a power guy to being an OBP kind of guy. Um, Nico Horner, I, in our opinion on this show, should have been the starting second baseman for this team on opening day. Bodie should have been used in a, in a, uh, like more of a utility role, pinch hitting bench guy situation, uh, especially for the defense. That's been our stand on this show for the most part. And we we were a little shocked that Nico Horner didn't start. So we look at his stats this year, and once again, the moment is not too small for him. He's batting 389. He's got a 500 OBP. 500. Um, now, small sample size, 36 at bats, but it's looking good. And he's stolen three bases, even. Like he's doing everything he could possibly possibly do. On top of it, he's bringing you better defense than any of the the other guys that have played second base this year, whether you're talking about your Sogards and your Bodies and your even Ildemaro Vargas for a day or two, who's, uh, you know, which we don't really know much about him anyway. But Nico Horner, wasn't a mistake not to bring him up on opening day. And uh, Joe, why don't you start with us off with that? Uh, yeah, it was. I, ha- I was a big Nico fan before everything. I'm like, Nico's got to start – 
the season with the team. And there was a lot of fans who were like, no, triple A season. But with the triple A season not starting until May, I was like, does that even make sense? You know, he's not like he's getting quality at bats in April. I understood that rationale. Then I kind of got talked into Bodie had a better spring. And Nico was four for his last 24. His batting average was still like 360 for the spring. But that's because he was like nine for his first nine. And so everyone was like, holy shit, this guy's unbelievable. I still, I thought to myself, look, I, I agree. Nico should have started the season mainly because of the glove. We had so many ground ball pitchers. Why not put your best defense out there? I think part of his great start might be he's got this chip on his shoulder. Might be, be like, hey, I'm here to prove that I belong. And I kind of like that too. You know, I really think Jed Hoyer said on opening day on Marquee that this was a transitional year. And I think a lot of fans didn't really listen to that because we didn't want to believe it. And it sucks because we didn't, like Crawley said, I thought, hey, final year of a lot of guys. Let's try to go all in. Let's do something. Um, and I, I can't wait for us to hopefully talk a little more future stuff because I got some strong opinions on that. But yeah, no, Nico should have been there all along because he's it's just that different bat. And he's looking like a guy where it's like, holy shit, this is a guy I want in the middle infield somewhere. You need you don't need every guy hitting 25 home runs. It's nice to have a guy who's going to hit 8 to 12, not even this year maybe, but like I think that's where he tops out in his future. Like kind of like a slap hitter, hit, uses all sides of the field. So to answer your question, it's way too long. Yes, Nico should have broke with the team. <laughs> Any, anybody not think that uh, that that it was a, the right decision to not have Nico break? So I have a <clears throat> I I, I um, now I don't know if I should say I agree with what you said or how to answer that. But my point is this: the question is sort of unfair because uh, it's pretty likely that the Cubs would be better right now had Nico started the year as the starting second baseman. Um, but that doesn't mean it's the right choice. Um, because we traded you Darvish for a bunch of teenagers and Zach Davies. So when did we decide that we were really trying to win this year? Because we signed Jock Peterson, like what, what, you know what I mean? That that's not the case. And so I feel like sometimes I get a lot of pushback when I say this, but the part that is also always hard for me is the only reason I want Nico to get any time at AAA is because I believe in him so much and believe in his potential to be a much better player after he finishes his development um, than he would be by adding more right now than the other options on the team. Um, He did have a good spring. So did Jock Peterson. Spring training does not matter. We all know that it's, but it's true and it's easy to forget. It does not matter. Now the results don't matter, but Nico Horner's, uh, uh, approach at the plate. His stance is a little bit lower, a little bit more open. Saad of Sharma had a whole story about how he's changed that. That's the kind of stuff that you could convince me would have made it the right decision, but not that he is a better uh, fit for the defense, which he is, especially for this rotation, and not that he would have offered more contact, which he would have, and we're seeing now. But it, but we weren't sure of that. And once again, just so we're all clear, he was forced into the majors because of an emergency. And so he still has not gotten the chance to settle his way and move up a system. And I think we take for granted how important that can be and how a lot of the Cubs' earlier prospects, even the ones that were rushed pretty quickly, did go through multiple levels and progress their way through the system. Um Nico Horner had fewer than 400 plate appearances in the minor leagues, never played at AAA, was rushed in in 2019, had to play in 2020, and then was finally going to get a chance to just get settled and work on stuff and was once again rushed in. I love that he's killing it. He looks different. So that inspires confidence. His defense is he's already been nominated for a gold glove 
uh, as a finalist. Like, that's all great. The only reason I think it was the right decision is because I believe in his future and it had value to see if David Bodie was going to be anything next year when Chris Bryant's probably going to be gone. So, what do you think, Sarah? Is he undercooked? Is Nico- I- I agree in theory that like Nico needed more time at double A and triple A and all of that stuff. But the problem with this is that there was no triple A last year. Like there was no double A. There was no triple A. There was no place Mm -hmm. for Nico to go. And frankly, there hasn't been a minor league season yet. So all of these guys are not getting minor league at bats. They're not getting the type of development that you would expect where there are game situations and they're, they have a schedule and they're trying to work on this specific thing. And we can see the statistics, like most importantly, we can see the statistics for what they're working on. Like the thing that blows my mind about this alternate site, we're just going to like start the minor league season later. No big deal thing that major league baseball has worked out for itself is that they have created a situation where all of these prospects who are going to worry about things like service time. And like, was I called up at the right time and all of that? There's no way to look at what's going on at those alternate site games. There's no way to see like, did Nico Horner bat 500 at the alternate site? Did he bat 250? Did he hit five bombs? We have no idea. And so in two years, three years, whenever, if Nico's agent wants to have some sort of case about the Cubs were holding me back and I shouldn't have been there, I was breaking like Chris Bryant did, there's no evidence for them to draw on to say, no, I'm sorry, your performance at the alternate site was X, Y, or Z. It's just a black box that MLB has created for itself. And so I think that this particular class of minor league baseball, to, like that cuspy minor league, major league player, right? Like the Kellenics, the Horners, the Kirillovs, like all of these players are find themselves in a situation where there's no place for them to develop. There's no place for them to prove that they belong. And there are no like transparent statistical readings that we can look like, unless you want to be the person that can go out and scout those games in person every day and come back and Probably. say, I watched a dozen <laughs> of Nico Horner's games and the dude is ready we, we just have to take the word of clubs who, frankly, get an advantage for keeping these guys at the alternate site long. What do you think, Neil? Do you think uh, Nico could use a little bit more seasoning or, 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 or do you think that he's ready to just kind of be given the job? Hey, everybody, if you're enjoying the Sunranto show, why don't you become a Patreon patron at patreon.com slash sunranto. It's only a dollar a month and you get the show delivered right to your inbox along with other perks for as little as one dollar a month. Patreon.com slash sunranto, patreon.com slash sunranto, patreon.com slash sunranto. It's way better than the ads that you've been listening to on this podcast because guess what? There are no ads on the patreon.com slash sunranto thread and uh, your own RSS feed. So please go do it. It's only a buck. It's how we keep the lights on. Join the 104 other people who have decided to support us. Uh, We love them. We don't love you as much because you don't support us. So go do it. Three bucks a month. It's all you need to do to buy us each a beer a year. That's all you got to do. Three bucks a month. Pay all at once. Get it done with. You don't have to worry about it again. Five bucks, you get all the music. Ten bucks, you get a calendar and your name at the end credits. Just do it. And back to the show. Patreon.com slash Sunranto. I think, first of all, I think that the Cubs did the right thing by bringing up David. David Bodie put in his time, okay? He deserved the chance to start. He's making peanuts. He well, took the time. He rolled the He's bench. hitting peanuts this year, too. Yeah, yeah I know. He's hitting peanuts. But, but hey. Nico Horner is doing his job right now. Is uh, just don't put him in left field anymore. 
Just leave, leave him at second or short, and he'll, and he'll be just fine. Well, yeah, I, that, that's what I think. I mean, in comparison, and we'll compare it here. I mean, you got, I already gave Nico stats. He's got a 500 OBP. But Bodie, by comparison, was given the job unanimously. He does have two home runs, which uh, Nico has none. But uh, 181 average for Bodie. Uh, and uh, thir- that's 13 hits and 72 at bats and a 574 o- OPS. And a 268 OBP. That's yeah, half of what Nico's giving you. In a yeah. Smaller samples. It's not good. And, and then the other guy they brought, you know, over, which I think shocked us all, is Eric Sogard, who came through. He's not doing much better. I mean, he gets on base a little bit more at a 300 clip, but that's not still going to play for you. That's not like an OBP god there with 300. He don't strike out, though. He doesn't he's strike out. guy. He's a contact yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Yeah, I think he's good off the bench. Like he reminds me of like an old anti-vax Tommy Lastella. <laughs> he looks like a substitute teacher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the other guy that they brought up and who's been doing great now, he's he can play all over the infield. But and I know Sarah wanted to talk about him is Matt Duffy, who's kind of. I mean, I know he came up, you know, in those Giants years. He, he was came really up, good. Yeah, he was a rookie. When he came up with those believing years of the stupid Giants, and then mm. uh, and and he was like a little star for them, and then he really fell off. He went to the Rays, but he's been impressive so far. Four oh seven OP OBP, two seventy three average, also no home runs. So he's not, but he's that he's that kind of hitter that we're looking for out of Nico. What? Why did you want to talk about Duffy so bad, Sarah? I want to talk about Duffy for two reasons. But the first is that it occurred to me as I was watching this team the other day that this team, the offense looks better when Duffy is getting at bats. Frankly, they look better when Marisnik is getting at bats too. And it's it's not because Duffy and Marisnik are world beaters. It's because the it, it goes back to that Jesse Rogers piece. This Cubs offense is built very the same. Like Contreras, Bryant, Bias, Riz- Like, well, maybe with the exception of Rizzo. A lot of those guys strike out a lot. They walk. They hit home runs. And occasionally they get on a hot streak and they like hit some doubles and stuff, but they're, they're not contact hitters. That's not their job. That's not who they were brought up to be. And so that leads to that situation. We've all noticed where it's like, Oh, the bases are loaded. Nobody's out. And the Cubs are not going to score again. And it's, and that's super frustrating to watch your team load the bases and not be able to bring anybody in. And so when Duffy and Marisnik are in that lineup, they, they create opportunities in a way that some other players in this lineup don't. And frankly, they're doing the job that like Ben Zobrist and Dexter Fowler did for the 2016 team. The reason that team was good is not because Ben Zobrist and Dexter Fowler are the best baseball players of all time. It's because they complemented the other parts of the offense. And so Duffy to me is in a very weird way, like has the capability to be the savior of the Cubs offense. Like at the end of the year, you won't look at those numbers and think that Duffy was the person who did it. That he's the one who like keeps creating situations where the runs come home, and so frankly, I'm cool with that. Like I don't, I don't need it to be a home run as long as things are still moving and they're actually scoring runs. And um, he can sec- pitch. He can pitch second- too. He can take an inning in the back end of the bullpen. I mean, Rizzo is my reliever. Uh, for all time, but the, <laughs> he the did, thing of, some of these guys did show up in my in my Cubs relievers list. Oh yeah, see, that. <laughs> Anthony Rizzo and Matt Duffy. Uh, you know, uh, not a lot of innings, but they uh, only Eric uh, Sogard. One, Eric Sogard, yeah, with another inning. Just sad <laughs> state of affairs when you're. <laughs> I I do think the other reason I want to I don't know I, I'm not trying to depress people tonight. It's a Sunday night and it's May and it was just 80 degrees, but like. 
The other reason I think we want to talk about Matt Duffy is that I think that's who gets the bulk of Chris Bryant's playing time when Chris Bryant gets traded. And at this point, it doesn't look like they're going to extend Chris Bryant. He's raking. He's like put himself back in the top five MVP conversation. And if this team is sitting where they are right now, 500-ish, slightly below, doing their thing, Chris Bryant is not going to be a cub in June. Yeah, and can uh, I just I'm I so I'm not I don't want this to come off as a negative for Chris Bryant, but him playing his worst baseball because he was hurt the two and a half years leading into his walk year when he's playing arguably his best baseball was the worst series of events that could have happened for the Cubs in terms of extending him, in terms of winning, in terms of building around a team. Like if any if this season was replacing any of his prior ones that when he was hurt it would have been better. And if he had been bad this year, at least an extension, some surprise extension might've been more feasible. So it really, you know, I love that Chris is killing it, but now (laughs) it's frustrating. Is it not? It's come on, you know, but Michael, isn't that good? Because if, Hey, if they are going to trade him, get that value, jack it up, jack it up. For for some reason. And I don't, I know what the answer is, but I still disagree with it philosophically position players, even stud hitters, just don't get anything at the deadline. And I get why your stud closer will get you something because of the postseason. But there's got to be teams that can use a hitter just as bad as they can use a closer. Like, I don't get why the value doesn't seem to add up. And unless Chris stays, like, I'm being, like, literal, unless he stays, like, around that 175 to 200 weighted runs created plus, like, a literal 75 to 100% better than league average. We're not going to get anyone that we even particularly care about. I don't at the deadline. <laughs> we will. Chris, I mean, Chris Bryant won't. actually is on the show right now over Joe's <laughs> shoulder. There, it's, my it, mom it, stole it, this from a bar in Iowa. <laughs> John Pinkus. John Pinkus says, "Tell it. Just say it, Saremi. Tell Joe to pull that." KB cut off from his wall. <laughs> I will I, I say will every time I tweet something like, you know, uh, Chris Bryan is third in, you know, F war, blah, 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 blah. My mentions are just filled with Blue Jays fans, Braves fans, and Mets fans like, adding wow. their GM, putting the at. I'm like, like why is he? He is good. Like, yeah. Where do you think he, where do you think he goes? I mean, as long as we're on the topic and we're there, uh, does, does anybody – I mean, so I guess we're in unanimous agreement that he gets traded. Yes. Look, though, can I say this? I'm putting this out into the universe. I believe if I'm Jed, I pull him aside and say, listen, we're going to trade you because look at the season. We could get something for you. But in the offseason, I'm giving you the biggest contract. I'm offering you more than anyone else. And you're coming back. We're pulling what we did with Jason Hamill back in 15. We're doing what the Yankees did with Chapman. <laughs> and we Hamill. want you here. And honestly, I, if, if the Cubs don't spend this offseason – because this isn't like before. They've got $50 million committed next year. That's dog shit. That is nothing. There is no excuse. Sarah, I'm going to get to you. I swear to God. There is no excuse for them not opening up the checkbook next year. For them to do this, whoa, we're going to do another five-year rebuild. As fans, we need to riot because this is just an owner trying to recoup his pandemic losses under the guise of a fucking rebuild. Excuse the language. I know no one's yeah. dropped an F bomb yet. It's YouTube. We can do whatever we want. No, it's it's frustrating <laughs> to see because there's just no reason for them not to spend. You know what I mean? Rebuild and spend at the same time, like every major market team should do. Mm-hmm. The, okay, Joe. I you know I love you, and we like we're talking about this recently. I there's one really good reason for them not to spend this off season, and I 
it's the collective bargaining agreement. They don't know what baseball is going to look like in 2022. And I but think the part of the reason that the Cubs right? were part of the reason that the Cubs were so they were so okay with coming into the season mediocre and not building on anything, not getting anything done. Lowballing Anthony Rizzo, like how do you lowball Anthony Rizzo? That is your franchise guy. That is your rock. And you tell him that you're going to offer him a deal that would mean he takes a cut and pay over his current salary over the rest of his baseball career. Like that is nonsense. And the only reason you do that is if you are betting that there's not going to be a 2022 season and you want to reset and negotiate with all of these people on some sort of different playing field, or maybe like some very limited 2022 season, Mm -hmm. but you know that you can't predict that there will actually be winning baseball in 2022. And so you have to sort of reset the whole chess game for yourself and your team. And frankly, I don't, I get the whole like, oh yeah, we'll bring you back later. We love you. You're we'll we'll let you go, but bring you back. The Red Sox tried that with John Lester. It did not work. Close. The Cubs came in and Theo just swooped in. And I, I have a feeling that if the him. Cubs try to do that, I have a feeling if the Cubs try to do that with Chris Bryant, somebody else is going to swoop because there's there's no reason for this team to take. You know, the days are gone when Jason Hayward comes to the Cubs, even though St. Louis is offering him more. Those days are gone. This front ownership group has not gained that, has not kept that level of trust with players where they're going to come here because they trust this ownership and front office more well, I mean, than es- somewhere else. Especially Chris Bryant, who literally right. went to court. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, sorry, who said was going to say that? Neil? No, I was just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially Chris. Yeah, he he would be the last one to do it, and uh, they haven't gotten an extension done with everybody. Um, but I, I know this has been a topic of conversation for a while now. But uh, who's the one guy of the entire core that you do extend? Uh, and we've talked about this a bunch of times. I know if that I don't know if that's changed for anybody. But Neil, you want to start? Like, who do you got as your one guy? If you could do one, if I could do one, it's Chris Bryant. The guy's a Swiss Army knife. Uh, he can play left. He can play right. He can play first. He can play third. Put him on the mound. He might be able to pitch. But I'm just <laughs> saying that Chris Chris Bryant is he's he's the I take Chris Bryant over Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, David Bodie, Wilson Contreras. I'll take him over all of them. You see what the guy can do. He's a former MVP, Rookie of the Year. The guy wins. He's healthy. Build around him. Pay him the money that he wants. And deal with it. Because the Rickets <laughs> got money. <laughs> the Rickets got money. They got money. They could spend money. You know, they. it just so happens they put $500 million of their own money into the Gallagher Way, the hotel, and all that shit. That's why this team's suffering. And you know why this team's suffering? Because this Jason Hayward's contract has killed this team for the last four years. Oh, why can't you? No. Why, Jason Hayward's straight garbage. How much is he making? Ninety million dollars for 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 what? Um, a fourteen minute meeting. Give me a are break. You, are you lost? Sir? <laughs> worth it. Worth it. Great what did he say? Worth it. MLK. I'm yeah, about to lose my mind. He's straight um, garbage. Okay, number one. Number Jason one. Hayward's Jason Hayward earned every penny of his contract in that locker garbage. room in Cleveland, and like I don't even, honest to God, if he never did anything else for the Cubs, and all he did. He was win, win a World that. Series and bring that team back. 
That's it. Jason Hayward earned his money. But the fact is that Jason Hayward has done more than that because he's made remarkable defensive plays that have kept this team in a ton of ball games. And he was the second or third best player by FWAR. Thank you. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, I'm like, I know, I know Sarami's got my back. I can give him my leader to catch the ball in the outfield, okay? Hold up, hold up. I let you talk. You let me talk. But Come on. He was the second best player by FWAR last season. And I am not, and that was a season where the Cubs won the NL Central. It's probably the last time that this core of players is going to win the NL Central. So tell me more about how Jason Hayward is like doing so much damage to this team. He's actually a hugely valuable member of the clubhouse. He makes this team better on the field offensively and defensively. And the fact that he hasn't taken off yet in 2021 is not all that surprising because nobody not named Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, or Nico Horner has. Yeah, they all stink. I mean, uh, so is is Jason Hayward your choice for extension, Sarah? <laughs> no, no I'm kidding. Uh, who who I, is who is your choice? Uh, yeah, I mean Hayward not off to a great start, but yeah, he's better than Bodie. He's better than Hap. He's better than Peterson. Uh, he's better than a lot of guys. Uh, Tony Wolters, for example. Um, so. Uh, Tony Walters about, is a backup catcher. And he's, he's about giving you what, uh, you know, I mean, the OBP's not there. He's just d- doing that rollover thing again. But who is your extension candidate of the core? Okay, so a two-prong answer here, because I think that the priority has to be extending Rizzo. Like, if, if this group, front office can't make Anthony Rizzo a Cub for life, they're doing it wrong, and I don't know how they get any of the other players to sign on to this. Like, Anthony Rizzo is the heart of this team. He needs to stay a Cub. And they need to build around that. But they kind of blew that when they lowballed in. And that really frustrates me on a large number of levels. Um, so I honestly, like, I think you could build a core around Contreras, Hap, and, like, Nico Horner that probably gets you through, like, the 2024 season when you can maybe see some Brennan Davis, maybe see some Ed Howard, see what these children that we got from the Padres can do. Um but I, I don't know. I think that Rizzo has to be the A1 priority. And if you can't get Rizzo, then you go to Wilson. Well, okay. That's me and Jason Hayward. I met him a couple of times. I have nothing against Jason Hayward as a person. <laughs> but a ball player, he sucks. He can catch the ball. He, he hey, hey, he, he can catch the ball in the outfield. Congratulations. But he can't hit for shit. This is Why don't we dump his salary? Why don't we dump his salary like we dump you Darvish's what, what, salary? Because wait, we can't on. find nobody to take his garbage-ass contract. That's why. Wait, why, wow. why don't we, why don't we have really... a, a, a real – Sarah is a professional debater, so Neil, I would tread really lightly is, yeah. here. But, but at, at the same time, I would love to have uh, this maybe this conversation on the next rant around table about Jason Hayward. Uh, let's let's get through this. Uh, let's get through this. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Joe, uh, you, did you give me yours? No, you didn't. I did yet. not, but I – I, I agree with so much with Sarah. You guys know I'm a huge Rizzo guy, but I, I, I want to say Rizzo and Bryant. I really just think Rizzo and Bryant, it just seems so stupid to me. And if they don't, you're right, Sarah, if they don't extend Anthony Rizzo, that is saying something. This team will, this team will be effed for a ne- another decade and a half or so. That will have such long-term ramifications from any future free agents, from any players you currently have on the team. You know what I mean? You think so? Say Ian Happ does go off in 2022 and is an all-star level like he looked like last year. You think he's going to sign an extension with a team that didn't even have the respect to get the Anthony Rizzo gave you the game-winning World Series ball? He handed it to you, and you're going to lowball him. I like to think the lowball was just a thing, and they come back and go five years, 100. We're sorry, but I was just trying to. Maybe Jed's like, "Hey, I'm trying to show Tom how stupid it is what they're doing right now with spending." 
So yes, Anthony, I'm sorry. Because I got to imagine Jed loves Anthony. He got him in Boston, San Diego, and Chicago. Everywhere Jed's been, Anthony's been there. So I can't imagine Jed Hoyer is disrespecting this guy that much. It's got to be something more than meets the eye, I'm hoping. Um, and if they, if they don't, again, I'm serious. If they don't spend next year and they let Rizzo go, we need to or- organize a boycott. Carly, you're getting rid of your season tickets. Or Danny, you're moving out of the neighborhood. Everyone, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm yeah. serious. Yeah, I, I might need to anyway. I believe my my building's about to be condemned. I, I kid. Uh, <laughs> uh, Michael, what do you think? Who's your guy? Who's who of everybody? So, um, I don't want to give the same answer, even because. But I agree. Like, if Anthony Rizzo isn't on the team next year, it's going to be a huge mental block for me um, to enjoy the Cubs, uh, and I mean that. Um, but an interesting answer that I've been thinking about is maybe you can go and extend Wilson Contreras. And here's why. Um, in the near term, he can uh, split time catching like he always has. And hopefully Miguel Amaya comes up and they could share time. And hopefully, or theoretically, you know, the NL will have the DH and he can play DH sometimes and he can play the outfield sometimes and he could catch sometimes. And I know that so much of his value has been recaptured by his ability to frame. But one, his framing's, it hasn't looked as good this year as it was last year. Two, it's entirely possible that some form of robot umpires will come, even if it's not literally every pitch. It could actually be <laughs> challenges. Like you might get a strike challenge per game or something like that. And that will neuter a lot of the value, especially because when you use that in at certain times, the value of that particular missed ball or strike is going to be Reverse. So, you know, the most important frame pitches will suddenly be called correctly. And again, if he can help transition Amaya um, into that starting catcher role uh, over the next few years, then maybe the Cubs have sort of one and a half positions settled and everybody likes Contreras. I think he's a great player, a great um, Cub. He's fun to watch. He loves to win. He plays hard. Let's let's extend him. I mean, what we don't have to just we're just going to hope Miguel Amaya is a, a stud. I think he probably will be, but like you have a we stud catcher Amaya right now. Get some pitching. Well, or, also like could we could we have both Amaya and Contreras, and Contreras can do like the graceful catcher aging thing and be a DH and play first base. Yeah. Like I, I, yes, the I mean, last like, time Wilson Contreras sure. played first base, he had caught for eight innings. He comes in at first and jumped. He leapt about three feet in the air. Mm. And caught a New York Mets line drive and like saved a run. It was honest to God, one of the most amazing things I mean, I've ever seen in my life. It's the same job. You catch a ball at both positions. You're you're at first base. You catch the ball. You're at if, you're a catcher. You catch. It's literally the name of it. But when Wilson plays first, he's catching higher velocity from the infielders <laughs> and the sub pitchers. <laughs> that is true. That is um, just, just, just a real quick. We don't have a changeup. He has no changeup. It's all fastballs. Real, real quick number here. Anthony Rizzo's seven home runs from tying Aramis Ramirez for six in franchise history. Think about, think about that. And then I think, I think the other names are all Hall of Famers after that. It's, uh, it's other than Sosa. It's, uh, Sandberg's number five. I think, uh, Santos number four, Billy's number three, Ernie's two, Sammy's one. So think about that. But Chris Bryant the other day just passed Mark Brace. I forget what number. I think at like 15th. Grace wasn't a big power guy, but so many years with the Cubs, like over a decade. Chris Bryant, you, 
I just wonder in the pantheon of, of Cubs hitters, if you said to Chris Bryant, we're going to give you a six or seven year extension, where he would end up in those record books for Cubs records. You're talking about a franchise 145 years old. This is a kid that, that came up rookie of the year, MVP, is all-star other seasons. He's had a couple injury plagued years. I just feel like, like fans and other, and other people just kind of, he was so built up to be the golden child. And in a way he did deliver in, 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 in helping win a world series and having an MVP season. I just, I, I, I just never get how he's not everybody's first choice, especially no offense to Rizzo, just getting to be older. You know what I mean? Well, Crowley, and I, I know that Danny kind of wants to move us to the next topic here, but I, I think that one of the reasons that um, you go Rizzo over KB, KB is the, the agent situation with Scott Boris means that whatever negotiations you get into with Chris Bryant are going to take over the entire thing. Like, I, I think that I've always sort of felt like you could extend two or three players for whatever it's going to cost you to keep KB. And when you start looking at, like, can I have a Rizzo and a Contreras and maybe and, uh, a hobby and not have KB like that. That is where I sort of default to more there. Like, I think that you can create that same vibe with that crew that you could get for one Chris Bryant. Um, but I, I got to agree with something Michael said, and I cannot stress this enough. If this team cannot extend Anthony Rizzo, if they trade Anthony Rizzo, I don't know. I don't know why any of these guys signs an extension. If I'm Wilson, I walk. He, the, I said it too. We, we know what Sal. <laughs> oh yeah, Joe said it too. Neil, I don't know who said it. I didn't see who just said that. But um, I don't know why any of these guys would do this. Like I, if I'm Wilson, I just saw what Sal Perez got. Sal, that's a five, six year, twenty million dollar AAV contract. Wilson is going to get that on the open market. He might get more. He's a better hitter than Salvatore Perez. And when the framing comes out of his numbers, his war is going to skyrocket because he's just going to be a plus bat who's like doing his thing. And all of the other things he does, like throwing guys out, is going to be more valuable because those are dinging his framing numbers right now. So yeah. anyway, I you got to do the Rizzo deal or else none of the other ones fall in place. Yeah, they, they just do. I was pretty disappointed at that low ball offer. I was just like, it, it, I mean, it sounded, and Anthony seems pissed off. You know, he just he just does like it. it he seems like a, a little bit like he's got a chip on his shoulder this year. Unfortunately, it's not showing up in his bat in any kind of, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't show his anger did not show up in like hitting the ball off the wall like it like he is capable of. But he's usually a slow starter. So uh, last uh, kind of topic here. Uh, the Cubs have a new TV <laughs> announcer and they uh, it, it's names uh, Boog Shambi. And um, he's taken over for uh, Len Casper at this point. He went to do the White Sox radio job. So I'm just kind of wondering the the Marquee, oh, there he Sports, is. The Marquee Sports Network started it. Uh, they they got another ginger in the house. Um, what are you guys thinking of Boog? Like he's had had a month. Have you caught it? I mean, I'm a radio guy. I'm mostly on Pat Hughes and Ron, who by the way is very salty this year. I, if you don't if you can't catch if you haven't caught it, be check out salty Ron Cooper. He's you, you, mm -hmm. you know, I think he needs the road trips to like get out of the house a little bit because like, <laughs> because uh, recording at Wrigley is not good for him uh for his psyche. But uh what do you what are you guys thinking of Book so far? You, you digging it? Um what what do we start uh Michael, you haven't started yet, I don't think. Uh, I, I think, um, that I was devastated 
when Len left. Not devastated. That's extreme. I liked Len Casper. I thought he was really good. I I I enjoyed uh, his presence. He'd been with the Cubs for a long time. I I liked Len Casper a lot. When he left, it really sucked. And then Boog came in and just kind of knocked it out of the park as far as I'm concerned. Just like I, I was so surprised how immediately I felt a connection listening to him because I'm mostly TV. Um, I do radio sometimes just to mix it up, but I mostly do the TV broadcast. And I think he's great. And I think the only thing that cracks me up is JD's humor and his humor not meshing at all. Like they miss each other so bad and it is so funny. And it kind of reminds me of like, I don't want to be mean to JD, but like if I say a joke to like my mom about some pop culture reference and she just like, it goes over her head. That's how I feel like JD, how Boog is with JD. Like JD will say something and Boog will be like, do you even want me to guess? Or you just want to tell me like some dry <laughs> wedding thing. And JD's like, Oh, well, I just, I had him ready. And I was going to tell you, it's like, he's kind of messing with you, man. Like you can play off of that, but um, that's okay. And I think it's really fun. Anyway. I like Boog. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Joe, uh, how about how about you? I mean, you're a comedian. You've probably done some acting at, here and there, uh, you know, so you know about kind of comedic timing and how you know people work together well in that scenario. So, what what are you thinking about Boog? Well, Michael's right about their humor's not lining up just yet. I'm also, I think Boog's done a great job, and I think he's only going to get better. It kind of reminds me of. When Trevor Noah took over the Daily Show, that first season or two, eh, now I think he's great. Now, you know, I think it takes a little bit of time to get comfortable in that booth. And he's not like it's been a great start to the season. You know, he's had a lot of blowouts and a lot of like, oh, man, he's, he's still the new kid to town. As far as Len goes, I didn't like Len at first either. And then I learned to love Len. Although Len, his poor, poor Len, his first year, he had Joe Carter in the booth with him. <laughs> oh, that was awful. Poor guy. That was bad. Now, I, I, I'm such a child because of the whole Cubs Sox thing growing up in this city. I now don't like Len at all. To me, he's a traitor. At first, I was like, well, he just, he's got a love for radio. And, and I hope, well, you know, if that makes him happy. Now I'm like, dude, I hope the White Sox rebuild is a joke. I hope it like Eloy is already dead. Who knows what happened to Luis Roberts? He might be in, in the cemetery next to Eloy. I'm not rooting for injuries, everyone. I'm only kidding, of course. This is just a joke. I think they're tremendous young talents. But I, I now am mad at him. You left the Cubs? How dare you? David, uh, you know what I mean? Well, you're going to come back to us in a couple of years when Pat Hughes retires? You're not welcome, Len. You, 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 you made your bed. Lie in it, friend. David writes in from the chat, um, Len is a traitor. So he, you have uh, some backup on this. Damn right, David. And uh, Dominic writes in and says, Boog is melatonin for me. I mean, he really does have like uh, a very deep voice, you know, very, very radio uh, kind of uh, booming, I would call it. Um, very different from Len, who kind of sounds like a soccer dad. Like, frankly, like he's driving like the wood paneled minivan, you know, his kids, you know, he's got two and a half dogs or whatever. It is. But, uh, you know, how about you, Neil? What are you, what are you thinking about uh, Boog so far? Um. Well, let's just get on the Len Casper thing first. First of all, I've hated Len Casper since day one, since he came from the goddamn Marlins after they ripped their heart out, came over to Wrigley, okay? Now, Boog is – he's decent, okay, considering what he's got to call with this team. But as as, as Michael says, you know, with the, with they don't get the jokes, it's like a car accident. You just can't look away. You know, you just got to – you just got to – you know, you just got to check it out. But uh, I can get used to it. But, I mean, I'm a Pat Hughes guy. I'm a, I'm, you know, I love Pat Hughes. 
he, he's number one in my heart. I love the guy. But when he calls the games on air, it just makes Boog look that much worse, in my opinion. What do you think, Sarah? Are you digging, digging the? Are you on the Boog Express? I really like Boog, and I, I want to circle back to something that Michael said because I actually was devastated when Len left in a way that was like weird that I didn't anticipate. Like I, it felt like the loss of the off season to me, and that that's a lot to say when like John Lester is one of my favorite pitchers. The Red Sox are my second favorite team. I lived in Boston for six years. Like I'm super. I love John Lester. Love Kyle Schwarber. If you listen to any episode of Cup of Cubby Blue where we talked about Kyle Schwarber, I was always on the Kyle Schwarber has the David Ortiz potential bat type of train. Um, and Len leaving felt worse to me. And I actually went back and listened to the interview that he did with us on that show. And I, I remembered hearing him talk about how that relationship that fans have with their broadcaster, with the person who tells them every minute of their favorite team's games year over year over year, is a remarkable trust. It's a trust that they hold with all of us fans as we're listening to the games. And so of course it's a painful loss to lose that person who let's face it, like baseball is three plus hours a day for half of the year. And that's what we let, that's what we look forward to and let into our lives. So that was really difficult. When I saw the list of names that the Cubs were dealing with first off, I, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, Chris Myers, like what even is that? Like, I don't, no offense to Chris Myers. I know he has a show on Marquee, and I guess some people are watching it. He just seems like a very generic broadcaster voice to me. He's a NASCAR love, guy. Yeah. He is the I most love, generic. That would have been the that, worst pick. Yeah, it would have been yeah. like so – it would have been yeah. like the tie, coats and ties thing that Marquee tried last year. It would have like, made him wear two ties, one bow <laughs> and one regular. <laughs> just need just so you, ties. Two ties. Chris, Chris Meyer is going to call games this year. He will be calling a couple Sunday games just so everybody's well aware of that. And, I, uh, if, if Marquee had their way, he would have called a lot more, and I think that was a very purposeful – leak of names to 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 uh taste take the temperature of fans and we were like no thanks <laughs> i agree with michael on that and, and let me say what boog was a name that when i heard it i kind of i was like i like listening to boog i he has a personality that i relate to that i find kind of quirky and funny and i agree with michael that like they they don't click just yet like jd and boog are still figuring each other out in terms of their jokes and stuff but I think the dynamic has potential. I think that they're a funny broadcast to listen to in like a way that they, they talk about and evaluate things that I think are, that I think are interesting. And I love that Boog keeps trying to bring in like baseball prospectus articles and like random stats about like hit by pitches or like what is going on into the broadcast booth each day. I think he's like trying to educate Cubs fandom like little by little. And I sort of like as a person who that's what my writing does, like I try to bring stats in just a little bit to educate fans. I'm like, oh, yes, let's do that. More boob. So I'm digging the boob JD thing. He's, so he's ruining he's ruining my tweets, though, because he keeps saying the things that I was about to tweet. I was like, God damn it. And before like, this, they weren't looking at the stats. I was Michael saying. Same. Same. I can I, just I'm say, and I'm uh, like, I've got, I've got a new thing to say, and then Boog has beaten me to it on the broadcast. I have like five dudes in my mention say, Boog just said that, and I'm like, well, thank you. I was typing it before he said it. Yeah, I'm so, with you, Sarah. A couple of things. Pat Hughes is clearly a Hall of Famer. He should have been a Hall of Famer in what 2019. I think he was nominated. They gave it to Hall. Oh my God. So, <laughs> JD, JD. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, 
Pat Hughes will be a Hall of Famer, but he is clearly in a different level than everybody else that we talk about. And he do, he's not a TV guy. He doesn't like it. He'd much rather do radio, and I respect that for him. As far as Len Trader, Benedict Arnold. Um, now, when I take a look at the other situation here, I like Boog a lot, but I, I'm going to differ from you guys. I don't think him and J.D. mesh very well. And I think that... I, I, I could see a situation where you would have Dempster as the color man with Boog in the booth. That is my prediction within the next three years, roughly, that you will see a Boog and Dempster. I think that Marquis would like it a little bit more. I think that their their humor doesn't connect real well. And, and, and uh, you know, one with other JD, person. I, yeah. Right. Like, I think so. Saying, yeah. I think somebody mentioned it too, is that it's been really hard because that gets more exposed. If you remember, Len Casper came in 2004, right after that amazing 2003 year. And that 2004 year, the Cubs were in it until they completely fell apart in September. So you had exciting games and things going on. Now, how many blowouts have we had or bad games or honestly boring games that we've watched this season where like that gets more exposed? When you have those bad seasons, that's where the broadcasters kind of pick it up. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, these guys have more time where they're going to be kind of the focus because the game is not really that entertaining. So these guys have to kind of step it up. And because of that fact that they're new with each other, I think it's not meshing well and it's more exposed. Yeah. I, I mean, the only thing that I wonder about Wait, is – Casper was 2005. Didn't mean to cut you off. Len took over okay. in 2005. I'm sorry, 05. Okay. That's okay. Yeah, 04, though. Yeah, LaTroy Hawkins blew it. The, the only anyway. thing That's I wonder is, is a lot of people don't uh, – I mean, Boog is not necessarily a Cubs fan yet. And I think that, I mean, somebody like me who grew up, yeah, really, I'm a Cubs fan that. because of Harry Carey, who really felt like the ultimate Cubs fan. Came from the White Sox. Yeah, it, <laughs> and also it, called games for the Cardinals. Yeah, but as a as a, a nine year old in 1983, you know when I'm when I grew up, You're I mean, how old? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> out the rings, baby. Uh, but uh, it, but when I I thought of him as the ultimate Cubs fan, I think there's a lot of people who are my age and even younger that feel that way about Harry Carey. And when they signed Boog, I had this kind of fantasy because he's a big fat guy who like looks like he'd be like out pounding beers with you out at the ballpark. So I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of that, but instead I've got like the Geico announcer, you know, and in a way. And so I'm I'm, off. Yeah, I know. That's what I need. I I need him out in the in the bleachers, you know, uh, with with his moves out and getting a sunburn, like pounded Bud Lights, and then I can be like maybe a little bit more okay with it all. Oh, okay, Danny. This might be a generational thing, and we're not all that different from age, but maybe I'm just like the first millennial, and you're like the last Gen Xer or something like that. I don't know. Uh, Here's the The thing: the first millennial sounds like a movie. I don't know. So does the last Jet Exit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that the Harry Carey model of like, I'm out in the bleachers and I'm grabbing women and just kissing them because that's the, the okay. sexual harassment that's was That's never coming yeah. back. Like that, that is never coming back. So like we have to figure, we have to look to the future, to what fans in the yeah. future will want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And I think Boog is a great guy for that. Like he, he has fun socks and he has fun shoes and his Twitter personality is big. And he talks about interesting things concepts about the game that make me want to learn more about it right and I so I I sort of I hear you like Boog is not a fan yet he will be 
I, homer. I, think he will I just be. need him to be I a homer so. and I really be hope fine, so. You know, and, and once he's a homer, because I don't obviously like all the Harry Carey, you know, stuff that happened in the past. We'll leave that there. But the, you know, so it's not that particular, you know, he doesn't have to be Harry Carey. More that I want him to be a homer, like the ultimate fan. Ron Santo. You know, that kind of uh, vibe, you know, which, you know, you just felt like he was living and dying with the team. Which he I dropped don't... the ball! Yeah, yeah. Which exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which, I, I, I've been – some people have brought that up to me, and, and it's kind of sparked something in me that I, I want Boog to be a homer, but I also don't think I would mind if he would be more critical of the team and the players – also, more well, critical than to, Len ever was. Li- listen to Coomer then. You'll get all of that over But I want them to be critical in ways that resonate with me better than uh, Pat and Ron do. Even though I love listening to Pat and Ron, it's a yeah. very different thing. It's an me. old man like, kind of thing. Harry Carey was very critical of, of a lot of like everything from like managers to GMs to players. He would call a lot of people out. And I'm sorry, I did make that mistake. I know that Merker and Stoney got into it in 04 and part of the collapse. The 05 was Casper or was Casper's first season. My brother left for Colorado in 05. So he never had that experience like all of us did of growing, of listening to Len Casper for what was it, 15 years? 15, 16 years. 15. My brother missed that boat. So my brother would get, he just gets the radio, the MLB radio. He just listens to a lot of games. We were more radio people too growing up. Um, and so, but he would, when he would, when he would watch games with Len and JD or stuff like that, he'd be like, why do they seem to enjoy the other team more than the Cubs? Or why do they keep talking about, uh, uh, what was his name that we always talked about, Danny, where it seemed like Len was like obsessed with Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Yeah. Just like in love with And it was him. like, why, why, why are we talking about the other team's good players and all that shit? I don't, I don't know. Like you said, homerish. Yeah. Well, we Little- could all agree. That Zach Zaidman is the best. I mean, <laughs> oh shit! Oh okay. shit, dude! You just oh, got so. Hold blocked. on, hold on. I have to. I have blocked. to. Hold on. I it's have to say, clearly. I am blocked by Zach Zaidman, and I've never said anything about him. Ever. So you're not like, missing nothing. Don't worry about it. All I did was at some point, like Cubs Twitter was saying something about Zach Zaidman, and I, I commented, I like replied, like, That's "What's enough. the deal with this?" And I was blocked. And I was just like, hmm. I'm not blocked by anyone. Like, I'm blocked by like three that people. That you know of. That's true. That's fair. No, like, I'm just kidding. Fans. I got into it with one time. Well, I, I will say this. Today was a Zach Zaidman day because Pat Hughes was on the TV. And I, I did catch a little bit of that. And let me just tell you, it was all fifth inning, baby. It was all fifth inning. I caught it. Was, it was bad. He was getting so excited every time the Reds scored that I was like, I had to run out and buy a propane paint during the sixth <laughs> inning. And it was like the worst inning because that's when the Reds were just pounding us. And, and I'm just like, stop it. it. Yeah. He sounds like, do you know what he sounds like? He sounds like uh, on one of those, uh, like a Nintendo Wii kind of announcer where it was like, and there's a home run, like where it's kind of disjointed in a way where like they have, the, they, they taped there's a and base yeah. hit and there's a and home run separately. So it's like, there's a base hit. <laughs> there's a home run. You know, it's like got yeah. that kind of vibe to it. And, well, and, and, and it, it doesn't matter who's doing it. Like it could be a red, it could be a cub, it could be his grandma. It wouldn't matter. Right. You just get to call it the same way. And yeah, that's he's, he's, he's like I said, he, he's a basketball guy at heart. He loves basketball and he's been calling DePaul blue demon games for years. And if you listen to baseball radio or basketball radio broadcast, it's like that. Everything's like, da 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 da. Cause it's all like quick. 
And so that's the way he calls a baseball game. And it, I can't, I can't listen Garbage. to it. It's so different. Can you imagine being like a student under the great Pat Hughes and showing no improvement over <laughs> X amount of years? That's the most baffling part to me. That'd be like if I went on tour with Dave Chappelle and didn't even get a little bit better at stand-up comedy. Like how? <laughs> how are you this bad at your? I don't know. And I try not to be neat, mean because I know everyone gives it to him, and there's so much negativity as it is. So I've always stayed out of it. But today, I had to run some errands, and I needed I needed him to be okay, and he couldn't do that for me. So <laughs> just not even passable. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I want to thank uh, all you guys for coming on. Uh, the we're going to do this once a month, and and we're going to have a different cast of characters. I like to mix it up and stuff. Maybe maybe next time we'll get like nine heads out here. But that's that could be we got it. We got a six headed monster weird. tonight. But uh, this was all brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. If you want to jump on board, patreon.com slash Sunranto. You get the show early and ad-free in podcast form, plus other perks at other levels. And um, uh, and we're going to do this about once a month, I think, at the beginning of the month. And we'll, we'll kind of check in with each other throughout the year. Um, I really appreciate you guys coming. I love everything you do. So, uh, Neil Williamson, follow him at, at FlyTheDub on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Joe Kilgallen, definitely the YouTube channel. And uh, plug, plug what you got coming up right now, uh, Joe. I don't, I don't know. I think I have to cancel another weekend because of how long I got to quarantine. Because, yeah. <laughs> well, my wife got it, then the one son, then the other son, and it just because it's spaced out. I, I might be headlining CG's Comedy Club in Bolingbrook this weekend. I might be, hopefully. Um, if not, just go to my YouTube channel to watch hours of my stand-up. And my website's joekilgallen.com. I do have a bunch of Laugh Factory dates later this month and Zanies too. Right on. And uh, Michael Cerami, uh, Bleacher Nation, anything else you got going on that you want to plug before? Mm, no, but now I feel like I should have shows or something. I know <laughs> that's so much going on. I don't know. No. <laughs> Just Bleacher Nation. <laughs> buy an obvious shirt. Yeah, buy, yeah, buy an obvious shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Use our link. Yeah, um, there you go. Sarah, uh, Bleed Cubby Blue, Cup of Cubby Blue, and now Fan Graphs. Uh, you're a busy person. What are you working on right now? I'm um, doing just a couple of different pieces. Andy and I, by the way, so there's been a bit of a cup of cubby blue hiatus and it, uh, we get like a couple mentions about it now and again. So I just want to clear up for people what's going on here. Pandemic life when you're the mother of three girls is hard. So like Andy is doing the very best that she possibly can, but fit, fitting our schedules together to record for like an hour is really difficult these days. And so we're trying to just get that back on track, but we have a date scheduled to record tomorrow. And so um, check out the reset of Cup of Cubby Blue that is coming at you tomorrow afternoon, hopefully. And um, yeah, that's the most important thing I've got going on right now is just getting that podcast back in line and keeping the writing going. What's it like to be on a show that only goes an hour? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honest to God, we go like forty-five minutes and we're done. We're just well, like, okay, well, we talked everything out. Cerami and I used to be on a show that they made us go a half hour, but we had talked about the Cubs for four hours before that. So by the time we got to the final half hour, oh, we were man. sick of talking about the Cubs, which was basically our show. Um, so, and I do have something to plug to. The Bleacher Bum Band is playing May eighth, which is Saturday, right after the Cubs beat the Pirates. Hopefully next Saturday, maybe we can beat the Pirates. Uh, would that that'd be fucking nice? Oh, huh? oh that's that should be Rubble our hashtag. Lamp. Hashtag beat the pirates. <laughs> like, by the way, plenty of good seats done. still available. I got a bunch of notifications from StubHub and GameTime <laughs> yeah. that ticket prices have been reduced by 35% over the last two days. So plenty mm. of seats available at Wrigley. 
Yeah, Joe, not, Joe. Not, not surprising. But I'm going to drop a link in the chat here uh, as to how you can get tickets. We've got a socially distanced pod seating for the Bleacher Bum Band. And if all goes well, because things are kind of opening up, it might turn into G- GA. Like we might actually get more people in there. They're looking into that. We just all got an email and about how things can open up. We're only at 33, so tickets are very limited. If you want to come May 8th, there's a couple of pods left. It's about half sold. So come on isn't, through. G-Man's isn't that your birthday bash? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna. I wish I could turn it into my birthday party. My birthday's May 12th, but like. Yeah, I, you can't really have a birthday party out in a pandemic. Like it was like, oh, don't don't leave your pod to come say hi to me and give and give me and buy me a beer. You can do a shot with me. Like they don't allow it right now. So, um, so anyway, come but come see the Bleacher Bum Band. Wow. We're rehearsing hard for you. And um, uh, Crawley, I hope your allergies are better. But uh, we'll be back. Uh, the Sun Rancher Show will be back uh, sometime this week. We'll have a Pirates preview to let you know what's going on uh, this weekend. And in the meantime, I just want to kind of thank uh, Joe, Michael, Sarah, Neil, Crawley, of course, for coming on tonight. I'm Danny Rocket. And uh, let's get out of here with the little Cubs boat. And uh, as uh, we like to end the, the show oftentimes, uh, we'll, we'll let um, maybe David Kaplan have those last. Bukong! Or go Cubs backwards. So uh, let's let's go Cubs backwards. Uh, actually, let's. I, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Aramis Ramirez butchering the name of our Ow. show, but hello, the Son Santos Show, the Chicago Cubs, sixty-nine best postcard. Take care. So you've been yeah. listening to the 69 Bench Podcast, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for being here, everybody. Let's go out with a little uh, Cubs boat, shall we? Thanks Spook for having me, Danny. Spookog. Spookog. Because the season is new. Gonna score lots of runs off you. The Cubs. Wrigley's gonna Sun. Cubs will win the World Series, so don't make October plans. The Cubs putting runs on the board. Come and see the team. Ricketts can't afford the Chicago, the Cubs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. 
Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.